Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. <clears throat> we get to round out the AFC East today, Andy. And the AFC East, um, it, yeah, we generate a little bit of buzz on the old uh, Twitter.com. People are listening. Uh, I also always love a, a little uh, uh, back and forth debate about that stuff. And, and I won't lie and say that I didn't have a little kind of not regrets, but like I wish I had couched things a little differently about the Patriots when we were talking about them because it, it's, you know, a lot of the criticism of the way they're handling the franchise is kind of weak. Um, and most of the, uh, most of my feelings about it were just, they're not giving us clear signals. They're not telling us what they think. Um, and the first team we're going to talk about today is the opposite of that. It is the Miami yeah. Dolphins and they're, and oh boy, what an off season. Oh boy. We could spend way too much time talking about this team if we're not being careful. And, uh, but this is a team that had enormous amounts of draft capital last couple of years they got their rookie quarterback and they did put their chips on the table and i don't think this was necessarily an endorsement from everyone involved but it sure felt like what happened with the coaching staff the dissolution uh of the flores um and steven ross uh you know relationship uh or you know the just in general flores finding himself on the outs I do think could be traced back to maybe he wasn't entirely bought in on the Tua regime. And for those reasons, he is no longer the head coach of Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I actually, so I, it says Dolphins 21 recap, and we're going to do that, but I don't want to spend much time on it because there's too much to talk about going forward. And recapping last year often isn't super helpful, although it is helpful to remember that they had massive losing and winning streaks. It was weird. We missed Tua for a good chunk of the season. Um, you know, we had that winning streak and did not save jobs because you probably, I mean, you're probably right. And I do agree on that. I don't think Flores meshed with the, uh, the ideals of the front office. I, I'm not even going to get into the, you know, the, the lawsuits and all the stuff that was said after that, because that's not going to help you understand who the dolphins are this year and bet on them. I have, opinions on that but i don't think any of them are probably founded on fact i just kind of know how things work between people when they start using legal uh you know means to a means to an end when they start using litigation to although i, I do think flores is a, a good coach i think he'll i hopefully this doesn't just you know kind of put a mark on him and stop him from you know it, it will I, I mean it sucks yeah. to say like it will for sure that's it's not great like hey i can't remember what this got now I'm, I'm saying we're not spending much on 21 and i'm going off on a tangent i cannot <laughs> remember what job this was but i interviewed somebody and they mentioned in their interview that they uh, like what what were you doing for this period of time where you weren't working like oh that was like i had a really good workers comp claim against my old employer and i was just getting a lot of money so i didn't need to work I'm like well it was a pleasure meeting you and we are going to be in touch like it's just one of those things where it's like oh, i can't hire you if you said that like i can't say that to you but either either way i do hope flores lands on his feet i like him as a coach but i uh 
I'm happy where they ended up in 2022 for the most part. Um, I think the most part includes 21 players on the field. And we'll get into the one that matters again. This is very Patriots-esque, I think, as far as uh, describing, you know, what what's going to make the uh, straw the straw that stirs the drink here is the biggest the biggest issue. And I don't know. Do you have anything else to say on twenty one outside of you dig a hole like that? I don't yeah. think you're going to get out of it a lot of times. They almost did, which was amazing. They were in the mix in the last few weeks to make the playoffs and beat the Patriots twice. They had some nice wins. Uh, albeit a lot of those wins ended up being against kind of bad teams, bad quarterbacks. So yeah, I don't know no how doubt. Much, no you know, doubt, you know, no you, doubt. Little you have grain to take, of salt. Uh, I think you take, oh yeah, you take the entire At least schedule. A couple grains. Big old, big old couple of huge dashes of salt. Um, they didn't beat all the bad teams on their schedule. They lost to the Jaguars and the Falcons. Um, they got absolutely thumped uh, by the Bills and the, uh, uh, and the Buccaneers. Uh, early in the season so things were not going well out of the gate for this uh, franchise at all and you know i mean maybe uh maybe you know flores was a little bit on the hot seat uh as they kind of got to their uh, middle of their season and they were one and seven um but i guess my major takeaways of the flores flores era i thought he was a good coach i thought he achieved more with what he was given than an average coach would have and i thought it was not a deserved firing from a uh, a guy who could uh, you know, ultimately succeed at the NFL level as a head coach. Um, and I thought his biggest skill was his ability to develop some of the players that they drafted because they drafted and they reached a lot in the draft the last two years. But I thought Flores did a nice job of taking guys who were really, really poor at the beginning of the season and getting really decent to solid play from them towards the end of the season. And I think a lot of the, you know, any, any other team with any other quarterback that had this type of success down the stretch, you're talking, you know, they're a, they're a buzz team heading into the season. And, you know, particularly on the back of what we're just saying, which is that they developed some of their young talent and like you're developing that talent. They should all take a meaningful step forward, presumably, although you're going to be in a new system. Um, and I think realistically it was, uh, you know, it was, it was the major question at the heart of this franchise, which is, can you, you know, build a playoff, slash championship contender around Tua uh, that caused, caused <coughs> excuse me, the dissolution because apparently Ross and, and Greer <coughs> weren't uh, happy with the way that that was handled uh, and or, um, you know, and, you know, there's been rumors that in the offseason they were looking at major switch, major moves, um, you know, with the, the, the smoke around the Tom Brady retirement. Um, but it was not to be, and now they enter the season instead, uh, having put their chips on the table and they're going to learn one way or the other, whether two is a guy that can get it done. He's in his third year. He is on a cost controlled contract. And for those reasons, it makes perfect sense for them to take this approach because if they are right, then they are competing, you know, then they have a seat at the table. They have a chip in a chair. And if they are wrong, then they know they need to pivot before he gets to the question of, are we, you know, extending this guy? And in the exact same way that we kind of um, have talked about other quarterbacks who were not given the tools and the, you know, like, like, like think about Justin Fields, like what kind of kind of headache are the bears going to have evaluating fields one way or the other, unless he really succeeds with nothing, in which case, you know, he's your guy. But like, if he's not, 
how do you dis how do you divorce it from you know he's, the yeah, supporting he's full cast? on Schrodinger's quarterback like <laughs> he's, he's like well he's good or bad he's good and bad we don't know but yeah like you're you're right the only way you can actually come to the end of the year and say Justin Fields is this definitively is if he performs so well that the Bears do good despite him not getting any help at receiver offensive line and even then. I think a lot of it, the the lauding will go to the coaching staff. But yeah, sure. I don't know. Like, heading into 2022, I think we'll we'll come back at the very end and touch again on the defense. Like the defense was good, the defense will be good. They kept their guy, and or what was it a re a renegotiation or a re-signing with o- Ogba? Uh, I don't yeah, either way, like, they're going to have a good pass rush. They added Melvin Ingram. Like, the pass rush is going to be good. The defense is going to be fine. I don't think that's a big question mark. Like, we know what this defense is. There's not a lot to talk about on that side of the ball. Like, they should uh, they should be kind of slotted into the area they're slotted into by most of the market rankings, and it should be where they were last year, if not better. The offense is the big thing, and we were going to do a little bit of back and forth. And I think everything you want to talk about on offense will be like a it'll be like a, a tree, like a chart, a flow chart off of Tua, because you know uh, we're both not really bought in on Tua being the long term, uh, you know, answer. So I texted Drew today. I said, "Hey, you're out on Tua, right?" And you gave me your percentages, and I said, "Yeah." It's about where I'm at. But instead of agreeing all the time, we're going to, I said, we'll do like debate class in high school where, you know, you have to, you have to take a position you might not like. You have to defend a position. And I said, I will be pro Tua on this podcast. So I want you to know I'm looking, I'm looking at you guys. I'm, maybe I'll convince myself after this. And truthfully, when I did some research, it's funny. I wonder how much this happens with debate classes and stuff where you sit and research your topic that you have to defend and you actually convince yourself a little. Mm -hmm. Because there were some things that made me think I need to at least adjust my percentages. And I think I love how you frame that. And I've started to do that a lot as well. Of all the things I've learned from you, that's one of my favorites. And it's not even really a, (laughs) it's not even really a, (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, it's not even really a thing that, you know, you use. It's more in something we do in content where you say, here's the outcomes and here's my percentages for it. I think that's just a great way to explain where you're at. And I'm not going to flip and say, like, I'm pro to it now, but I've adjusted my percentages. Ooh. For Would you believe a, that I am in the 16. same boat? <laughs> in prepping for this podcast, yeah, damn it. I said, "Hey, we, I, we agree I too was going to even pitch it to you. Maybe we should switch hats, but I figured you already did all your prep, so we just." Stay where we're <laughs> I mean, I've done prep for both sides. We flip. Can we do an alternate ending? No, 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 we'll no, do, two, we'll do no, double, no, no. Just, just we'll stick to our sides in our debate. All right, and I'll start. So I'll start. I'll start. Let's debate to us. So you, okay. you bring up to a negative, and I'm going to counter it with a to a positive. Okay, uh, on film, his ball is poor. Uh, it I doesn't need more, have, more descriptiveness than that. It like, doesn't have velocity balls? since since his uh, since his hip injury, for whatever it's worth, his mechanics don't look as good as they looked in the college, and uh, I am not sure that that's a fixable problem at this point. 
Um, maybe he does get stronger and he does develop the same velocity that he had at one point in his in his arc, but it does not look there like he it is there now. Um, and for that reason, the idea of him being able to complete deep passes, the idea for him to be able to take the top off the defense really at all is still a complete unproven quantity. He has not proven whatsoever that the defense needs to respect the deep ball. And when you look at the talent that they even had in the last couple of seasons, that shouldn't have been a problem for him to at least show you enough glimmer of hope that he can do that, that that's a weapon in his tool chest. And yet here we sit and it's not. Um, We talked about two years ago or a year ago, prepping for the Dolphins, that it was a really bad sign that the Dolphins and the you know locker room kind of all wanted Fitzpatrick in there in the high leverage moments. <laughs> like that's not good. Um, and Fitzpatrick being able to, you know, kind of magic his way to wins uh, when Tua was unable to complete anything except for kind of high probability stuff over the middle, of, you know, high completion percentage stuff over the middle of the field, um, <clears throat> you know, is, is a red flag. And I think to really sh- kind of reach the upper echelons of quarterback play in today's NFL, you don't need to consistently be able to take the top off the defense, but you sure as heck need the 11 to 20 yard pass down the sidelines in your arsenal. And with ter- to his current velocity, it, that does not appear to be in his arsenal. And additions of talent in the receiving core and just in general, uh, improvements across the offensive line aren't going to fix that. Yeah, I mean, you did the whole debate in one thing. But I know, I, I mean, to be fair, that's a tough one. You hit me with a hard one to begin with. Like, fixing mechanics doesn't happen as often as it, you know, it, or it, it happening is much more rare. Like, we we're going to reference Josh Allen for the rest of his life, fixing his accuracy. Sure. Fixing a throwing motion does happen you see some guys that come out of college with a big old wind up that starts at their hip and they're able to you know work some of that out of it i i really think coaching is gonna you know it does come down to the player like we said with josh allen like you need a special player who's willing to work and the coaching around it i'm i'm not gonna come in and say like hey they got daryl bevel as your <clears throat> quarterback's coach, that's what's going to fix this. Like, and again, they, they kept pretty much a lot of the uh, same guys around. Frank Smith came over from the Chargers. He was a uh, part of their offensive scheme last year, and he is now their offensive coordinator. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, like what well, it, it is going to be one of those things where he's the offensive coordinator. He helps with the, you know, the the scheming and the game planning. But it is Mike McDaniel? That's your offense. So. I'm going to throw Frank Smith, Eric Studisville, and Daryl Bevel out the window. Maybe Wes Welker's a nice coach. Who knows? I think Wes Welker actually is a nice little addition to any coaching staff. He, he got guy. his bell rung a lot, a little too much in the in the pros for me to love him as a coach, but that's okay. I well, like we'll find, yeah, we'll find out. Player. We'll find out how much <laughs> CTE he has, truly. But oh, I, I think the answer to this is, and maybe this is the un- unanswerable one, unrefutable one, is you can't get that out of it is it it has to be coached out by McDaniel. And I think think he knows, McDaniel knows, like, and maybe this is a case where I'm willing to concede the point right off the bat, but I I think McDaniel is in a position where he knows, like, 
I'm going to do everything I can to make this Tua thing work. And if it's not working, I think he probably has the leeway to tell the coach or tell, you know, the GMs, tell management, like, this just isn't going to be a thing. This wasn't my guy. I tried, uh, you know, we were doing everything we can, and it's just never going to work out. We need to look in a different direction. And I, I think he's going to be, you know, you don't want to be two games about that, but I think he's going to be quick enough. So the, the answer is yes. If, if the coaching can work on his mechanics, I don't think the deep ball is ever going to be there. Uh, as far as, you know, working his way back from the injury, you just have one more year of the offseason to continue to rehab that. If that gets better, it gets better. And then, you know, again, counterpoint would be that the offensive line is going to be better. You know, you don't have a, a cohesive unit until you get the middle of the season, but they added some nice pieces. They added a couple of pretty good pieces to the offensive line. And if he can be a little better protected, we're going to see better form. You know, you, you see a lot of like the things that the, the, the ultra stars do, like the things that Mahomes does. Again, we reference Josh Allen as like, no one's going to take that, that big of a step forward in one year ever. Yeah. Like the things that Patrick Mahomes does, we're going to say like, Hey, no one's going to be able to do that sort of stuff because no one can. That's just, magic you know like he does something magical like throwing that far on the run side-armed off your back foot with your eyes closed like that's just not something i expect from anyone much less tua so i'm not expecting tua to become this prolific deep ball passer but if you watch him he's so much better when he's not scrambling like if he has time and he can plant his feet his mechanics look way better and that is the true counterpoint to the mechanics like his mechanics are garbage, but it's because he was under, you know, he's under duress. He didn't have a good game plan. I think that the scheming for the offense was bad. It put him in bad positions. If he's protected, has time, his mechanics aren't super bad. And I think they can, that's just something to build off of. So if the offensive line, if these pieces they brought in are a big, uh, a big help to, you know, what, what we're going to do here with, uh, oh, Teron Armstead. And then Connor Williams at center, you add that sort of, I don't know, the two of the five pieces probably greatly improved at that point. You get him some protection. He doesn't have to be throwing out of, you know, out of bad positions, rolling against the grain, scrambling, running, throwing off the back foot. If he can plant and use his whole body, all the right mechanics, it's not horrible. <laughs> it's I'm surprised. Still- I'm surprised you didn't go with the low hanging fruit rebuttal. Which is, of course, he looks bad on film. He's a lefty. Um, that definitely look, impacts. Uh, that impacts lefties, some of lefties look. That, lefties in general, like they, I don't. They don't look. It doesn't look. It right. looks yeah. ugly. It looks wrong. Yeah. On film. Um, but no, lefty golfers, fine. pitchers, whatever. Yeah, those are all fair points. Mike McDaniel comes from a system that succeeded in multiple successive years with Jimmy G as a guy who also didn't have these throws that we're talking about. Uh, and you know, if, you know, if your system is more reliant on just getting a high accuracy guy, um, to deliver a football that worked for Drew Brees for a lot of years, (laughs) like this isn't, you know, there's, there's plenty of, you know, anecdotes that you could point to. Oh, and oh, by the way, like this is his third year and he was coming off of a pretty, pretty significant injury in year one. He ripped his hip apart. And then just real quick to expound on what you, what I said about Mike McDaniel, because I think that's the keystone to this whole argument is go, because you kind of brought it up, what they did with Jimmy G. Like Jimmy G wasn't bomb. 
you know, they had players that were, you know, you were using Kittle in certain ways and you're using once they got Ayuk there and all these players, they were heavily reliant on just, it's not, it wasn't truly like Alex Smith, Dink and Dunk, but it wasn't not that. It was a lot of short stuff yeah. with yards after the catch. Yeah. Like get a player with the ball in his hands and let him do stuff because Kittle was amazing. And there were some other guys, I mean, name, like nine different running backs over the years that were pretty good with the ball in their hands in space. Mm-hmm. And that would be the, you know, you hear that, that argument too with like why instantly Tyreek is – you know, garnering on Twitter the Ferrari or whatever car it is in the, you know, the trailer park garage when he got signed to the Dolphins, which <clears throat> I get it. That's the perfect meme to use there. But like Ty- go think about some of the some of the plays where you've really seen Tyreek make things happen. It's not yeah. just him streaking 75 yards down the field. Like you put him in a bubble screen. He, yeah, his game know, breaking you- plays against the Bills in the playoffs last year. Yeah, the, exactly. There was some short stuff where it's just like, oh no, like if he doesn't get tackled in the first three steps after he catches a short ball, yeah. he's already going 22 miles an hour and you're going to have problems with linebackers who are trying to change direction and catch up with them. They're not going to. And at that yeah. point, you better hope the safety's 20 yards downfield so he can have some sort of angle. Even then you might be screwed. So yeah, I, I really, you know, I feel like the round hole square peg thing it's just it's so simple but so many nfl offenses defenses coaches get it wrong where it's like hey we we have to fix this he has to throw it deep it's just like he might never be good at that yeah why why would why would you waste a down on that if it's like hey he he's really shitty at throwing it deep let's not throw it deep then you know it's teams uh... might not teams might know we're not going to do that much and that's fine because those downs are wasted downs or potential turnovers. And I'm fine yeah. with a little less predictability in exchange for that. So what we're, basically what we're saying is you have to reset your archetype that you're evaluating to a under. You're not, a, he's never going to be Josh Herbert. He's never going to be Josh Allen. I mean, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, or like Josh Ball. Herbert. Like, That's like a comedy. He'll never be any of those guys. Um, he doesn't have the deep ball. He doesn't have the, the you know, the sideline pass. And, but maybe that's fine. Um, and in what was actually like kind of eye opening and felt super fucking perfect when I kind of got to this point looking at comparisons of the quarterback stats that I used to basically just come up with like, you know, the stats bomb type of this is yep. the guy, this is what this guy's the, the Tua arc so far in his career it is almost it's like painfully close to another existing starting quarterback in the NFL. Do you want to guess who that is? Like amazingly close. Uh, Even with the, like coming off the injury into the league kind of thing. No, 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 Uh, no, but just number of games started as a rookie, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm coming up blank here. It is Jared Goff. He is, and exactly in the golf archetype in terms this of is, that sounds good for to his bank target it, oh of course it is yeah the yeah. depth of target completion percentage completion percentage over you know you pick the kind of metric you want to kind of kind of put your quarterback in a given archetype or basket and it, golf and and uh and Tua are sitting right there next to each other 
So you put and... golf with a court with a coach who can't get the most out of an offense because the game has passed him by and it doesn't work. And I don't, I certainly do not want to throw, you know, our guy got, I've already forgot his name now because he got fired. Anthony Lynn. <laughs> no, 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 not Anthony Lynn. Our guy down in Miami that we we're just talking about. Oh, Brian, they, Brian Flores. Yeah. Brian, Brian Flores. I don't want to throw him in with Jeff Fisher. Like Jeff Fisher and oh, Jeff yeah, Fisher. Yeah, there was a time where Jeff Fisher was a good coach, but like you saw the difference between what happened with Jeff Fisher and what, again, I don't think Jared Goff is ever going to peak past where he's been, but someone like McVay was able to get a lot more out of him. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the crux of the pro Tua. The, yeah. the whole argument is the pro Tua thing is, all right, I'm Mike McDaniel. I'm smart. I have these yeah. glasses. That means I'm smart. You can tell just by looking at me. And I know what we have in Tua. And now we have Tyreek. We yeah. still have Waddle. We had Cedric Wilson. We have Gesicki, who is, again, you, you talk about what they did with Kittle and maybe the ceiling for a guy like Gesicki is kind of high if this is if that's the kind of offense they decide to run. And sure. then you throw in, I mean, God, they have like nine running backs on on the roster now, which is maybe also a good sign for these the teams who are able to build the right kind of roster. They're fine with just never signing an expensive oh, running surely. back. Like, surely. yeah, hey, like, hey, here's an expensive running back for thirty dollars. But like, yeah, or I could get this six pack of running backs for eleven. <laughs> <laughs> like, but those are bad running backs. Yeah, but I have six of them. One of them is going to be better than we think. And I, yeah. I don't want to discount Mostert and Edmonds. Like, those were decent signings, but they have a shitload of running backs. And I, I like that kind of roster building. So I think okay, they have, so here's, I think they have the offensive skill positions around him to try to do something like the 49ers did last year. And and, and truthfully, like, if we get to the point, if they if they do that, if they do exactly what I say, they put Pantua in that position, and he still can't make it happen. Then it's done. Then we're blowing it up. Like, all right, buddy, you're just not you, – you're done. Yeah. You're not in the NFL anymore. Yeah, so two problems with the golf comp. Um, number one, uh, you brought it up. Which right was, he's No, he succeeded to the degree that he got paid, and then that really kind of – put stress and strain on the Rams franchise until they eventually had to cut ties. Uh, I don't know that lightning strikes twice to that department. Um, and then the other problem with the comp is, uh, you know, if you're, if you're thinking like, Oh, well, you know, you were so high on golf and the lions a couple, you know, a week ago, how can you be cool on Tua and the dolphins now? Well, the market expects the dolphins to be competitive in a very competitive conference. The market expects the Lions to suck in a really weak conference. And so relative to the market expectation, it is easy to be bullish on a high completion, low, low air yard quarterback like Goff and have questions about a high completion percentage, low air yard quarterback like Tua. What, and, what, would you yeah. do? what would you do with your percentages right now if I told you that Mike McDaniel – uh, what if Mike McDaniel has been doing nothing – but showing to uh, highlights of golf for like two weeks, <laughs> for like two months now, like you would, I would, I would raise my percentage. Be like, this. Is I what think you're I would too, because this <laughs> is, and and I don't have much more to say about Tua other than like I kind of think now that you're gonna 
get winning football out of this team this year, probably unless McDaniels is way out of his league, right? Like if McDaniels, and you said it, I think the same way or different, you know, same thing in a different way, which is like, it kind of all depends on him this year. He needs to be able to implement the system and do it well and kind of bring these guys together. Um, And, you know, that's not a guarantee. Um, Let's move on to the rest of the offense. And you know, you've you've highlighted the additions that they made in the off. They they've added everyone. They added everyone they could add. Um, you got the most elite tackle in the free agency in Armstead. Um, you got the most elite wide receiver uh, that was on you know that was available apparently in Tyree Hill. Um, and I got to take a little little sidebar here to talk about Hill. Um, it is virtually impossible to dissect the Kansas City offense success and apportion the credit appropriately between what Reed was bringing, what Mahomes' unique skill set brought, and what Tyreek Hill and what Travis Kelsey brought to the table. Because they all were so far above average, above replacement, above league average. They were all so far above average that when You're they were all like singing together, the, it was like get the what Beatles. Share yeah. Of the, of yeah. The... yeah, yeah. What right. share of the credit is what you're saying. Right. It's How come the tell. Beatles were the most successful rock band? Was it th- well, sure, thanks to Paul or, 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 yeah, but, yeah well, you can, Travis Kelsey can be Ringo. Um, but, you know, in oh, general, in general, in general, you think Andy's Debernay, LaFont or whatever, he's Ringo. <laughs> Tardif. Um, Tardif. The, uh, the, the general kind of credit you want to give Hill is very tough to apportion correctly. I don't have mm-hmm. the right answer, but I can tell you that among all skill position players, he ranks in the 99th point ninth percentile for me. I don't know that I'm taking anyone over him. I don't want this. Yeah, if I, I have first choice of skill position players on a redraft, I don't, I, I'm thinking long and hard before I'm taking anyone over Hill because of his unique set of skills. Do you, do you, does your mind ever wander when you're doing research for the season and you start thinking? Because I was thinking about the exact same thing that you just mentioned, but in a completely different way. Because I do like Gesicki, and I love him if this is where the offense is heading. And I thought hard about that. I'm like, what if Travis Kelsey starts to have like a bad season and we get to like week four and Gesicki has like, six touchdowns <laughs> like he's averaging like, he's averaging like eight targets for for seven catches and 115 it's like i like, i just had to oh, think about it like new, you know is the new is Kelsey. Reek, yeah. you know I, and again i don't even have the connection to be like what is the causation that would make a wide receiver uh make a tight end that much more successful i don't believe travis kelsey is like fully reliant on reek i just i just thought about that for a little bit and i mean there is a modicum of truth in that. I do think having better tight or better wide receivers and really, I mean, Waddle and Waddle and Tyreek is a very nice one-two combo if you have the quarterback in the system to use it right. And I think Gesicki, there's no chance he doesn't benefit from that. I think he will have a very nice year. So very excited for him. And then yeah. again, the all the all the running backs, like for fantasy purposes, the running back room is a mess, but yeah, like uh, Mostert, and uh, I keep saying I keep wanting to say Connors. I just I know that's not not right. Edmonds. I keep saying Connors. 
for some reason. Connor no, Williams. Connor Williams is your that's your or Chase second. Edmonds. Yeah, Chase, Chase Edmonds. Ed, Chase yeah. Edmonds. I think I think that's a nice fit too. I liked him in in Arizona. I think he has some wear on the tires. So I don't like Sony Michelle yeah. though. You should probably cut him. No, no, that that's fine. Like he can go catch on with a team that doesn't know better. Okay. No. Okay. Let's kind of put the bow on Hill though. Like physical tools fit in a McDaniel style offense checks every box as far as game breaking everything. Um, and you know, kind of like the can't miss talent that it's going to be tough to screw it up. I think, which ultimately raises the dolphins offensive floor significantly than if you did not have him. Right, um, takes takes uh, attention. You know, grab pulls gravity away from Waddle, makes Waddle a better player, a better contributor, um, and ultimately, like this offense should be decently above league average, even if Tua does takes zero step forward and is literally golf 2.0. This should look like a good offense. Disagree or agree? No, like. Again, I would take Goff 2.0 if, if I'm a Dolphins fan. Like, oh, if you yeah. can give, if you can give me, again, getting a full season of healthy Tua and him playing to the level of Goff 2.0 with the skill position players around him, because it'll be like, you know, the first time that Tua has a 300 yard game, if that all comes to fruition, like I'd love to see what his actual air yards are, because you yeah. feel like if you, if, if they yeah. do the offense right, it's going to be like. Oh, he got to, he had like a 300 yard game, but like, yeah, but I mean, Tyreek had like a 75 yard bubble screen that went to Dude, the house. Go like, look at, go look at Tua's game logs from last year. That's a lot of that. It's a I lot know, of I know. that. that, that like his, that's what I'm saying. Like in the past, yeah, that crazy. has worked with him. Just yeah, at a, for sure. They just didn't do enough of it. And also they didn't have Tyreek Hill, which I mean, if, if you wanted to throw a bubble screen or a little jet screen to anybody, I, again, he's pretty high on my list of guys I'd like to, have with the ball in his hands, uh, running start and yeah. a few blockers. Like oh, yeah. it's going to be funny to see his actual air yards because I think if they do it right, his air yards will be low and his efficiencies yeah. will be high. So now here's the other side of the coin with Tyreek Hill. I don't know that you. I mean, he he was. I I look. I give him um, or I put some of the. Uh, reason that the Chiefs offense was sluggish in the first half of the year on the shoulders of the fact that Hill had limited mobility with the hamstring. Like that was an injury very quietly, uh, you know, close to the vest kept injury with the Chiefs last year. Hill was not 100%, couldn't break the game in the same way at the beginning of the year as he could at the end of the year. And that, in fact, that affected the whole offense. Um, injury is still a concern because of what his physical tools are in general. Um, you know, just in general, getting along with the rest of the system. If it's a rough start because McDaniels isn't quite ready for this yet, uh, or because the, you know, the offensive line doesn't really have cohesion and, you know, two is under duress and he's doing more dump offs and Tyree kills, you know, like what do you, what does your gut say? Is Hill a potential problem in the locker room? If he is running wide open 15 yards down the field or further significant on in a losing effort multiple times in a game, like does this turn into an OBJ type of situation? 
I, I don't, I don't, I can't speak to his character that much. I don't know. Like he got paid and I think he's in a good offense again. I don't think it turns year one. I think that's more of a next year conversation. Like if it doesn't happen this year, it's like, all right, well, we brought a lot of new pieces in and, you know, we had some good moments next year though. Boy, we keep the score together. We're going to turn it. And then if it doesn't work and he's, you know, running 30 yards down the field, the offensive line's playing great. And two is taking a sack anyway, when he turns around and maybe you're going to hear some belly aching from a guy like that. So I don't think so this year, it would have to be very bad. And at that point, Things are going bad enough, or does it really matter that Tyreek is like the the ship sinking and Tyreek's drilling an extra hole in it? Like at that point, <laughs> yeah, good point. Does, doesn't doesn't matter to me. You know, if it's going that poorly that he's malcontent, I guess it just if the first four weeks of the season end up being extended preseason from the Dolphins and Tyreek is unhappy, does that does that inhibit uh, a turnaround? Is kind of where I'm at. Do you know what I'm saying? Hopefully we have enough. And again, you want to just heap praise on Mike McDaniel and expect him to be the the prince that was know. promised. Like, I don't know. He, no, that's just what I'm saying is he's also a guy who's never had to manage personalities as the head cheese. Like, there's yeah. some guys who it's like, oh, he's he could be the smartest guy we've ever found for running running and scheming offenses. But there's still some guys that struggle to manage a locker room. If he doesn't get buy-in, if he doesn't get buy-in and stuff, then yeah, yeah, it could be a problem. So, again, these are all all speculative stuff that we we don't know the answer to. The last guy to be way too young for the job was McVeigh, (laughs) and so although McDaniel's McDaniel's substantially quirkier (laughs) than uh, than also, you're gonna get you're get we're gonna get comments. You can't put an S in his name. I didn't say McDaniel's. McDaniel. McDaniel. I'm going to rewind this. You've said McDan- it like five times. I, McDaniel is one was a one was a possessive, which was significantly okay. significantly quirkier, which quirky. uh, which cuts both ways. But Miami is a quirky town, so maybe it's it all is good. a quirky town. Um, um, okay, any yeah. anything on the defense before we move on to the schedule? Like this is a this is a this is a firm. This is a firmly not bottom half, but low upside defense in my, my ratings. This is one That's of the tighter bands. Fair. Like they finish between eight and 15 in 90% of realizations. <laughs> if you get really top notch play from Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Then they top out, and they're again. Their ceiling is eight to ten. Like that's yeah, that's really maxing out. Like eight, eight is like you're getting elite corner play. Like the best that those two guys can do, and the pass rush is going to be good. I don't really, I can't really speak to what I think of the the linebacking crew. It's good. I'm a big Van Ginkle guy. You know that. I always have. Yeah, Van Ginkle going to get J- a Jalen 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 Phillips another year under his belt, and then a good pass rush in front of him. And I th- they run a three four, I think. So I might have to double check. I'd... You know what's you know what's a positive for the defense, and one of the reasons I'm fine having a tight band on them. Josh Boyer, year three. He survived the uh, 
the Exodus. Yeah, they did keep they did keep several. Like I said, uh, Studisville, the who ended up being you know an assistant head coach. That's maybe the other thing too to just touch back on you know becoming the leader of men right away because you've never been the head coach. Maybe that was a good move taking a couple guys in Eric Studisville and Embry came over from the Niners. Studisville was in Miami. So you bring one of your guys from 49ers. You have a guy who was here last year in the building already, and you make them both assistant associate head coaches, having like a three headed attack for managing the team, probably a smart idea. And then, like you said, that Josh Boyer, the continuity of the defense, I think he's been a uh, couple years now, three. Is that what you Third said? Year. Third yep. year. Third year. You know where he got his first um, defensive coordinator job? Yeah, he was. I had low expectations for him, honestly. Uh, no, but do you know where his him. first defensive coordinator job was? Uh, yes, I do. This is funny because Patriots fan, Patriots media, Boston Sports Talk used to just utterly tear him apart when he was the cornerbacks coach and the secondary sucked in for the Patriots. He was the South Dakota School of Mines. The Hard Rockers. The Hard Rockers. That's right. He came the, from- if, the, if anyone remembers that that tweet, there was like a viral tweet where their stadium is just had like an area where people would like drive their trucks up next to it because it's South Dakota and watch. There it. was one year where the Patriots were expected to compete for a Super Bowl. I was listening to a lot of Boston sports talk for some reason. I don't even remember why. And uh, they used to pick on Boyer for being the School of Mines. And they would pick on, I can't even remember the guy's name anymore, but he was a guard and he was like a converted tuba player. He didn't even play college football. He played in the marching band. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, did they give him a hard time. <laughs> I don't think he ended up making the roster by the end of the season. Um, but uh, the tuba player and the school of mines guy, those were the funny, uh, those were uh, those were the, the um, punching bags. Anyway, let's look at the schedule. All right, t- tight band, bring in the schedule. I like that you chose orange and teal for the, uh, I mean, it's on everyone's schedule, but it just, it's very appropriate for this one. Ooh, boy, is it ever. But boy, the travel disadvantage spot. Another lopsided season for the Miami Dolphins. What is going on here? A little back and forth throughout it. And then a big, just like, I believe it was Minnesota that had one of these two where they had, and that's, I think where it was like a big disadvantage right before the buy. That's mm-hmm. something I've seen a lot of this year in the schedules is a big rest disadvantage right before you take your buy, which sucks. But hopefully at that point, and you know what the worst part about that is, is look at what week it is. It's week 10, which means um, that's probably, I'm trying to think when Cleveland's buy is, do you know if Cleveland has an early or late buy? Uh, I believe they are middle of the pack but I don't recall. I'm not, I can't speak to it. So that would be either Deshaun Watson's first or second game back. It would be even worse if it was his second, if you were able to get one extra game to get his feet under him. But like having a big rest disadvantage for, and then playing Cleveland after the eight game, which is again, we're presupposing it's eight. That's kind of the, the general consensus around the rumor bills, right? Rumor mills right now. I don't Cleveland's think Cleveland's coming be- off of by. Oh, that's why it's such a rest disadvantage. Yeah, that's so why it's a rest. You've had two. So you'll have two weeks to get Deshaun Watson fully integrated. 
and practicing in this <laughs> offense. And then you face a team off the bye after you've, again, it's not going to be a good team, but it's still no fun to go up to Soldier Field and play. Like, that's a tough environment to play, even when they're shitty. And you've yeah. just played Detroit, which, again, might be a, a – even if they're not good and don't win a bunch of games, they're going to be pesky, and they're not going to roll over for teams. And Minnesota has a chance to be a pretty good offense. It's a fun matchup, honestly. Minnesota's at a disadvantage there. If you go back and look at the Minnesota schedule, that's a bad spot for the Vikes. Pittsburgh, I don't know what to think of them. I have a long time to get my Pittsburgh takes in line. I'm not even going to say anything now, but um, very, like you said, very unbalanced with uh, a pretty tough start. What if New England is okay, or at least they're good to start the season? Then you've got basically three teams that are very much vying for not only division titles, but those are bang, bang, probably bang. three of your four best AFC teams right there. Yeah. Nah, three I mean, of you, your five. I put Kansas City and KC and Chargers right now. Chargers right there. Are, so yeah, are up like, there, yeah. I'd put Chargers fifth out of five in those. So I'm okay. still three out of four there. But yeah, okay. it's probably it's probably the first, third, and fourth best AFC teams. Two of them on the road. Mm. In nasty AFC North environments, again, it'll be warm at least. At least you get those AFC North games out of the way early, the ones that are away. But again, late in the season, you go play at Buffalo in December. That's not fun for a Miami team. You play New England in December at New England. This is not a great schedule. No, it's not. Again, I think if you looked at it from a generalized, like, you know, how does it rank among schedules? I think it's probably league average. No, it's not. Some of the really, I that's right. No, no. I don't have it that tough. No, no, no. I, I, have uh, like, I have it like 14th toughest, I think. Just in terms of strength of opponent, yeah. Okay, that's what that, I'm saying. That, that, if you, if you right. looked at it from like wins, losses, strength of opponent, it's right in the middle, yeah. But if I, if, situ- yeah. situationally and the way it sequences, it's tough. It's tough, it is yeah. very tough, in my opinion. Yeah, the uh, couple of thoughts that you bring up a correct point, which is you are thrown right into the fire with the Baltimore Buffalo Cincy stretch, right into the fire. Um, the middle part where you're favored in a lot of games, some of those are sneaky tough. Back to back travel to Detroit, Chicago is not easy for Miami. Those are long trips. Um, but the back to back to back travel in December is eye opening. Holy good. hell. That, now that's as bad as it gets. That's as bad as it gets. But let me kind of caution some jumping to conclusions. We need a map uh, for that. <laughs> we're gonna jump to conclusions. At San Francisco at Chargers back to back weekends. Two week two in a row on the West Coast. And from the Shanahan tree, where Shanahan liked to request that, uh, you know, that road trip, requested road trip for Shanahan that he has every year, right? Possible that Miami has asked for this and asked to group the San Francisco Chargers trips back to back. 
I doubt they asked to then go to Buffalo. <laughs> but I think that the first two there at San Francisco at Chargers, it's possible that that was requested. In which case they have some plan of we're going to stay in Santa Clara or whatever after we play the Niners, practice for a week and be ready for that Chargers game, which would make that Miami Chargers game just absolutely electric. Very excited for that one. Just great matchups of potential skill position players and then and offenses somebody, in general. Somebody quick to ask, what's the total for the Minnesota game? It was 2.75, but um, the Loons are already up 3-0 on Everton. So that that over is halfway home already. Was Unless that, were, was that the question? I doubt they were talking about that. I just noticed that. So, somebody tagged uh-huh. me, or Doc tagged me, because all these uh, EPL teams and Bayern Munich are coming over to play like American teams, MLS teams just kick the shit out of them, except somehow Minnesota's up 3-0 in the first half. Maybe Everton didn't bring all their players. That's pretty funny. But uh, that minute, what what is that total? Do you have the totals in front of what's, you? What's what's the that? date on it? It looks like it 10, 16? is 10 16. Miami, Minnesota. I got a look ahead total of 47. Too low. Well, Way what could low. be what could be a very good offense in Minnesota and a very effective offense in Miami against probably the biggest question mark for Miami will be the secondary, even though I like Howard. And the biggest question mark for Minnesota for sure is the secondary. Oh yeah. So that is low. Let's bet that. I like that one. That's a good circle. And in general, I think Miami will be an interesting over team when they're going up against a team with outstanding skill position players because like um as much as i like byron jones and xavian howard like they are kind of like uh what's the right word like if you're bad they're gonna smother you and if you're good they're gonna struggle a little bit front runners front runners sure there i mean go. for the most part so for the most part um yeah. 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 But, they, no, but like you know, like they, they, they're like they're like the line of "Are you good? If you can beat me, you're good. If you can't, then you're not." And oh, bellwether. So, yeah, there you go, bellwether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who? I, like, like a Casper Ruud in the ATP tour. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, he's not. He's not beating anyone ranked above him. But if you're no, ranked, there are there's. Cal- I have to ask yeah. Noops this tomorrow on Brown Bank. There's a woman's tennis player who's like this. He's Elise like, Mertens. If you beat her, you're, you're. I don't think it's Mertens. I think it's Mertens, it's Mertens. used to be the one. Mertens um, used to be the one. Uh, yeah. let's, let's look at the schedule before we. Uh, the odds. Before we get off on a flip to some odds. Hamburg <laughs> ATP Hamburg. Uh, yeah. Sign <laughs> collectible says Mertens. I, I, I think know, it's Mertens. Maybe that yeah. one's right. All right. So um, over under is eight and a half. Forty to one. Fair, Ooh. but. Boy, if I after I, all the nice things I said about Miami, if you made me bet a regular season win total, you said here's a hundred dollars for free. You can either bet it on this win total or give it back. I would bet the under plus money. Really, mm. not a strong take, but there's a lot of there's a lot of situations where the offense just doesn't work well enough to navigate a very tough schedule in a coach's first year. I'm not saying yeah. this is a bet. Yeah. I probably yeah. I won't I won't make a bet on the uh, on any of this to make the playoffs. That number's just not big enough for me. With the tough start, that's a if that's a market that's up throughout the season, maybe that's kind of plan of attack. Andy is um, 
you know, if it, if it does go bad right off the bat, I think things could level out. But again, you have that rough ass stretch late in the season too. So, you know, you, you can take and get some value maybe in week four or five on to make the playoffs. But that value might evaporate in December when you get to that rough stretch at the end. So I'm not sure there is a plan of attack on Miami as far as betting. I guess if the offense is cooking and Howard does struggle with top-end receivers, and again, looking back at that schedule, you got Diggs a couple times. you got Justin Jefferson. You've got Daryl Mooney. I'm just uh, giving, throwing the bones bone to the bears i guess but there's some there's some high-end receivers that might cook their asses oh, and yeah. huh so they might be an over team like if this offense is efficient it's keeping drives going and it's you know just bringing up their average points per drive even if it's a bunch of field goals if it's just efficient efficiently getting drives to the finish you know, they, they could be a buy-on team. If they start slow, they could be a buy-on team against the spread if you're seeing good mm-hmm. things, but they just played tough. I think it's it's going to be a week-by-week a week thing with this team for sure. Okay, so I am cautiously optimistic about this overall working. And again, a ton of it, as we've kind of circled on now, relies less on, can Tua make the leap? Can Tua improve? Like, I think you're getting a baseline, you know, a performance out of Tua, considering that you've upgraded all of his protection, his weapons, and he is a high completion, low yak, you know, low low air yard guy. Like he's kind of a known quantity. McDaniel is the wild card here, and if he brings like a Sean McVay surprise kind of uh, mindset to this organization and catches people by surprise because they just don't know how to game plan for him early on and they catch a couple of wins in that early part of their schedule, which is really challenging, then you're going to be adding your, you know, you're going to be heading into that Cleveland game where they're coming off their by. You might be like seven and two. I mean, this is not, that's not crazy. And you go through a really tough stretch late, but you have the potential for kind of bringing your team together even more with that, requested road trip so i think this is a playoff team and i don't know the right time to bet on that because it feels like a flat-out gamble to do it before the season yeah i think i'm willing to i'm willing to throw caution to the wind a little which is not what you should be doing with betting and say i don't care how hard that late stretch of games is this team is getting it even more than I thought they could. Like if, if I see something early from this offense where it's like, this is fucking cohesive. Mm-hmm. I'll bet this team to make the playoffs. Maybe there's an obscene number for them to win the AFC. Like, you know, if you, if you get some triple digit numbers where it's like they struggled, but the offense gets it, they're going to beat all the teams they're expected to beat. And they're going to be a seven seed. I'm fine taking it. I'm taking some flyers and some stuff like that. Okay. Although, the AFC is tough, and it didn't get any easier by bringing Russell Wilson and oh, Matt Ryan God. over to the, you know, from the NFC to the AFC. So it's it's a tough one to bet. The the um the chain, yeah, it is the AFC, man. My God, uh, you have we haven't even really talked about this. Looked at it at a macro level, but yeah, you you lose Drew Locke, and um uh. You lose Drew Locke, you lose uh, Carson Wentz, 
and you gain a healthy Lamar Jackson, <laughs> uh, Matt Ryan, and Russell Wilson into your conference. Like, boy, oh boy, it was already an imbalanced situation between the North and the you know, uh, the uh, AFC and the NFC. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, I, so the power number, you know, the, the market is telling us this is a league average team. I agree with that on defense, although, again, there's room to the upside. I disagree with that on offense. Right now, their offense is 18th ranked in the NFL based on the look headlines. If you decompose the spreads and totals, 18 sounds low. You brought it up before the podcast. Um, I there's think a lot of room for that to go higher. A lot of room for that to go higher. Yeah. yeah I mean, narrow they, band they, on the defense, big band on the yeah. offense, and we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So wait and see. So. All right, let's do I'm one more. Already, I'm already struggling with what to do with that uh, week two game where they go to Baltimore. You don't have to bet it. I know I don't have to bet it, but that there's <laughs> that's you know, what there, I'm gonna do. If uh like there's a um what do you call it? Uh Baltimore is typically comes out week one and just absolutely fillets their opponent. They get the Jets. Um potential that there's a close and or a loss against the Patriots as a favorite, you might, it's set, it's set up pretty well for a buy, like an immediate buy low on this team. Week two. Yeah. There's, there's going to be buy low. There will be a buy low spot before week five on this team. It's just, do you have the stomach to handle the late season schedule? And I have to see enough to make me want to overcome that. 